0: The mention of their name, oh-oh, that does it. When you mention their name, then their face comes to mind, and then the offense comes to mind, and those feelings come back. That's no way to live. You need to give that away today. Today's a little different. What if I were to tell you that one of God's greatest abilities could also be yours if you wanted it would that interest you well a few years ago uh, www.doctorsofbc.ca said that the average Canadian medical student graduates with a hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars in debt and it's not unusual for it to be over two hundred thousand dollars Folks, that was something like 10 years ago that they put out those figures. I'm not sure, but I think the costs have gone up since. And that these medical students are graduating with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Well, the federal government has set up a student loan forgiveness program for family doctors and nurses if they meet certain eligibility standards. And if they meet those standards, they can have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt forgiven. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm sure that this free gift of having their debt forgiven has been a huge relief for many medical graduates. But you know, it's not just the medical graduates that have debts. In fact, all of Mankind, every man, woman, and young person has a sin debt that must be paid. It must be dealt with. Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you meet someone who says, well, not me, I've never sinned. You ask them if they think they're as perfect as God himself. And if they're honest, they'll say, oh, no way. Well, there you go. There's your answer. All have sinned. All of us. We've all committed various sins, including rebellion, filthy thoughts, bad words, thefts, lies. And you know, it's something like going out to eat at a restaurant. You get seated down. You order your favorite meal. You enjoy it. But then the bill comes due. And you must pay the bill. And sin is like that. The Bible says that there is a pleasure in sin for a season, but at some point, a bill comes due. Every man, woman, young person must pay the debt. Now for us, our sin, our sin debt means that we'll be in hell when we die and we'll suffer there for all eternity. Some people wonder, well, pastor, after 10,000 years, surely someone would have finally paid enough on their sin debt, and then they could be let loose. They could then go to heaven, right? Well, in theory, but the problem is when they go to hell, they never lose their sin nature. So in hell, they continue to sin. They continue to have bad thoughts and filthy words, and they curse God and shake their fist at God, and all this it just adds to their sentence. They'll never get out of hell because they continue to sin. Sin is a horrible business. Hell is a a miserable place. But hell was prepared by God for the devil and his angels. That's why God prepared hell. Isn't it unfortunate that so many people choose to go to hell rather than to go to heaven? That's sad news indeed. I think, at least I hope, we all realize that God is a thrice holy God. And he's high and he's lifted up far, far above sin. And I hope we all realize that sin is really a terrible abomination to Almighty God before whom we all have to stand one day. A man may say, not me, I'll never stand before God. Uh, You will. Or either that or you'll be on your face before God. But you will be before God one day. Every single human being all over the world who's ever lived, Everyone is going to stand before God one day. That's just the rules of the game. Sin must be paid for in hell. And so, the question is, does God have some way of forgiving sin? Does God have an eligibility program? The government does. Does God have some sort of eligibility program whereby a man or woman can get their sin debt forgiven? Well, that's an interesting question. We know that no man is able to redeem himself. Once your balloon is popped, that's the end of it. It only takes one tiny sin to pop your balloon and game over. You're out of it. No man is able to redeem himself. We cannot do it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We sure don't deserve it. There's no one that can redeem themselves. Uh, okay, well, this is why God has set up an eligibility program. Yes, God does have an eligibility program for the forgiveness of sin, and it centers around His Son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed His life's blood on the cross when He bore the full weight and punishment of sin's awful penalty in His body. In other words... Jesus Christ suffered what we owe in hell. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Well, who then is eligible to have their sins forgiven? Those who will pray to God and will admit to God their guilt of sin, that they are the guilty sinner, and ask Jesus Christ to forgive their sins and come into their heart to be their lord you see it boils down to a free gift the government set up an eligibility program and made a free gift of wiping out the medical graduate student loan if they meet certain eligibility criteria god has set up a forgiveness program whereby whosoever will may come it's not limited to your social upbringing or status. It's not limited to your wealth. It's not limited to your health. It's not limited to the color of your skin or the sound of your voice. It's not limited to any place in the world. Whosoever will may come. God's offer is open to all humanity at least for everyone wise enough to receive the free gift of God because God gives eternal life, but He puts it in a person and the person is Jesus Christ. And now, you either have the Son or you don't have the Son. You've either opened your heart and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you haven't. And that's what makes the difference. Forgiveness of sin is no small Thing with God. It's a monumental achievement. And God Himself takes incredible joy to be able to forgive someone their sins. And that's why I think that forgiveness is one of, if not the greatest ability of God. I believe that with all my heart. And this one great ability of God can be ours also. If we'll take it. Well how how are we going to do that? Well we're going to find out this morning. But first we're going to pray. Let's bow for prayer once more. And now our Heavenly Father. We ask that your Holy Spirit would take the word of God. And apply it to our hearts. And help us to learn how to forgive people. There may be some here today. That are harboring in their hearts. Some anger, bitterness. Some unforgiveness toward others. It could be a husband against a wife or a wife against a husband. It could be parents against children or children against parents. It could be friend against friend, whatever it is. Father, teach us how to tap into this tremendous ability and to reap the benefits associated with it. Please lead and guide now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever heard the story of the two sisters? These two older sisters were not married and they lived together in a one-room apartment over in Edinburgh, Scotland. And this is a story that's old, old, old. And so the two sisters lived there and they ate their meals there. They even shared one large bed. It was, uh, I guess, a small apartment of sorts. But one day, These two sisters had an argument. They had a falling out. They had hard words. And they all of a sudden now started turning a cold shoulder one to the other. Days turned into weeks. They wouldn't talk to each other. And then they decided to draw a chalk line down the center of their apartment. And so they did it in such a way that... The doorway was kind of the middle so they could each come and go. And they drew the line right up to the center of the bed. One sister would sleep on one side. The other sister would sleep on the other. One sister would live on one side of that chalk line. One sister would live on the other side of the chalk line. And years went by and they never spoke a word to each other. Their their anger, their bitterness toward each other it, it didn't lessen. It got worse. And here's, here's the sad thing. Is that every night. When it was quiet. In the dark. Each could hear her enemy breathing. Ooh, that's spooky, isn't it? Well, that little story often describes the unforgiving heart. Some offense happens. Out comes the chalk lines. (laughs) That sort of thing happens, you know. Maybe some of you have experienced it. Now the word forgive is an interesting word. For and give. Now the word give means to freely give, to give away, to give up. That's what the word give means. The prefix for adds intensity to the word give. And the, the prefix for means like away from. And so you have the idea of forgiveness being to give away, to give something completely away, and there's purpose, there's determination to do it. It's not by accident, it's by intent. And so that's the idea of the word forgive. And so it means this, when someone offends us, you know, they owe us, they owe us. It could be an apology, they owe us an apology, or maybe they've... Broken something or took something. And they owe us restitution. Or maybe they owe us both an apology and restitution. But they owe us. When someone offends us, they owe us. What forgiveness does is it gives away what is owed. So that they no longer owe it. That's what forgiveness is. Now, I know right away some of you are thinking, well, I don't deserve forgiveness. You may be right. Some of you are thinking, well, what if I forgive, you know, and they just laugh and turn their back and walk away. Well, you may be right. But the point is, there's something there that will bless you if you will do it. If you will do it. So forgiveness is a powerful ability that really will bless us. Forgiveness blesses God. Did you know that? God takes great joy and happiness to be able to forgive someone. God is happy to do it. Now, with your Bible open at Matthew chapter 18, you have a very interesting story here. And we have the story of a powerful Lord, an earthly Lord, who had a few servants and one of the servants owed a lot of money. This comes on the heels, of course, of Peter's question. Well, how many times am I supposed to forgive someone? And the answer the Lord gave, 70 times 7, it doesn't mean 490 exactly. So, you know, on the, did I do the math right? 490? 7 times 7 is 49, isn't it? So you add next to 0 because you're in the tens, 490. So, okay, the 491st time you take out the gun and kill him. It doesn't mean that. Hmm? Like Jesus said, you know, turn the other cheek. Okay, well, how many times? Well, he didn't specify. Okay, you turn the cheek once, slap. Turn the cheek, slap. Oh, you've, you've crossed the line, fella. Where's, where's Pistol Pete here? So it doesn't mean that. It means that there's kind of an open-ended, unlimited. That's the idea Jesus is getting across here. And then he uses this sort of parable to teach it. And he talks about this certain king powerful guy. He had servants. He was taking account of them. One of them owed 10,000 talents. You might think, well, that's not too much, 10,000 bucks. That's not 10,000 bucks. A talent was about 60 pounds of weight. That's how they would measure. And if it was 60 pounds of gold, gold is now, is it 1,800 an ounce? So you do the math and you're talking a lot of money this guy owed his king. And so kings had pay up. The guy said, I can't, I can't. And so the king said, okay, you will be sold, your wife will be sold, your kids will be sold, and payment will be made. And the guy fell down, he worshipped, and he said, please have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And the king was moved with compassion. And so he forgave the debt. What's the biggest debt you've ever forgiven? This king forgave the equivalent of millions of dollars. Have you ever forgiven millions of dollars? I sure haven't. I've forgiven debts before, but nothing as big as this. That's it. And, and Jesus purposely made the amount large to drive the point home. If the guy only owed the king 10 bucks and he couldn't pay, oh, it's all right, king. I'll give the 10 bucks here for my buddy. But who can go through their wallet and say, well, here's the 10 million that he owes? Why? The amount was so enormous. On purpose. And so the king took great joy in forgiving his servant. And his servant, I'm sure, was so thankful and maybe kissed the king's hand and said, thank you, thank you, my my life is yours. I'm just reading into it. But then he turns and he goes out and he finds his buddy, a fellow servant, who owed him a comparative small amount. Let's see, where is it here? Uh, Verse 28, he owed him 100 pence. So a hundred pennies. A penny back then was considered a day's wage for a working man. I know that working men today make a lot more than a penny, but you do the comparison and it's a small amount, right? Maybe it's an amount of a couple thousand dollars or something. So he says, pay me what you owe me. He says, I can't pay. He takes him by the throat. Imagine that. The king never did that to his servant. King never went up to his servant, grabbed him by the throat. You scoundrel, you give me the millions of dollars. He never did that. But this guy went out on the heels of forgiveness. He'd just been forgiven. He goes out and finds his buddy, his fellow servant, grabs him by the scruff. And he says, you pay me what you owe me, you scoundrel. And so his buddy falls down before him and says, have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And he commanded That this guy be thrown into prison, debtor's prison, you know, till payment was made. Well, that's a pretty sad story, I'll tell you what. But that's the story of humanity, folks. That's the trap that we can fall into. We get forgiveness from God, but then we don't forgive those around us. You know, the hardest one to understand, maybe, is, you know... If you had some enemy who's offended you, it, it's kind of uh, hard to forgive an enemy. A friend, it's a little easier to be able to forgive a friend. But a family member, a wife, a husband. You heard about the husband, that, the husband and wife. Hey, hey, AJ and JJ, here's a good one for you, you folks. They, this, this fictitious couple had been married about a year. And they got into their first fights and so on. And uh it was at breakfast. And so um he he wanted um, she said, What do you want for breakfast? I want I want two eggs. How do you want them, honey? <laughs> and he said, I want one, I want one fried and one scrambled. And so she dutifully went and did this and set it down in front of him and he got mad at her. Why would I do? You scrambled the wrong one. <laughs> you know, I find as I get older, I appreciate lame jokes like that. I, I find those more funny than some of them. Anyhow. A family member, a loved one, a son or daughter... No, I'm never, ever, ever going to forgive them. Ever, ever, ever. Like the two sisters in Edinburgh, Scotland. Drew the chalk line. Wouldn't forgive each other. You know, that's the hardest one to imagine. When you look back on it, right? It would be hard to forgive an enemy who's tried to kill you. It wouldn't be that hard to forgive a friend who you used to go to church with or go to the baseball game with. But it should, it should be easy to forgive a loved one in your family. And yet, so often the exact opposite is true. We're quicker to forgive an enemy than someone under our own roof. Why is that? I'm still searching for the answer. Maybe I'll learn it in heaven. But often case, that's the truth. And it shouldn't be. Folks, we need the Lord, I tell you. You and I have the very same ability to forgive that God has. I can't forgive. No, that's a lie. The devil has sold you a bill of goods. You can do it. No, I can't. No, you really can. You just don't think you can. You really can. Some little kid, when school starts, I can't go to school. Yes, you can. No, I can't. You really can. You really can. (laughs) And it's, it's kind of comical. I mean, it's serious on their level, right? But it's kind of comical for those of us that are beyond that level. And I'm sure maybe God gets a little comedy out of watching us sometimes. But we really can. This is an ability that God has. And I'm suggesting to you it's an ability that you and I can have as well. Imagine being forgiven and forgiving someone else. Boy, that sounds good. Seems to sound good in God's books. I want to give you at least four reasons here why you ought to take hold of this. I'm going to give you four what I think are good logical reasons, biblical reasons, why you ought to be a man or woman of forgiveness. Why you ought to offer forgiveness and seek to forgive someone. But what if they don't? It doesn't matter what they do or don't do. It's what this will do for you in your heart. Number one, it helps us to get forgiveness. Imagine that. When we forgive, it makes it easy for God to give us future forgiveness. Now, in chapter 18 and verse number 35, the Lord Jesus finished this and he said, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Essentially, what we're talking about are two believers. Peter started the question. He talked about my brother. How often shall I forgive my brother? He's not talking about his enemy. He's talking about his brother. We're talking about saved people here. And the Lord is telling us of something very, very precious. He says, if you want me to forgive you, you need to forgive your brother. Family squabbles, you know, when... Junior is against sister here, you know, brother against sister, and they fight like cats and dogs, it hurts mom and dad. And it's an offense to mom and dad. And so by forgiving, well, what if the other won't? Well, you do your part and you'll watch a new relationship between you and your your parent, your mom and dad. That's just on the family side here on earth. How much more with our heavenly father? You see, it's very important if we want to go to God tomorrow and get forgiveness for some bad thought or some bad word, then we better practice forgiveness today. This is like investing in your future. This is like putting an investment that's going to pay a dividend, a return on your investment. When you forgive someone around you, God notices that. And then when you need forgiveness, God is ready to forgive you. You're not going to lose your salvation. We're not talking about losing salvation. Not at all. These servants in the story were all fellow servants. They belonged to the king. Likewise, in the family of God, there's the brothers and the sisters. And we're God's children. But sometimes we get into little snits. You know, we'll get into an argument or something. We'll offend one another. That happens. That's when we need to forgive. But they don't deserve it. But they never asked for it. No, the problem is, I don't want to give forgiveness. That's our problem, folks. I'm just kind of pulling the the curtain off. The truth be known. The reason why we don't forgive more, is because we really don't want to. We don't want to. We want to hold on to this, you know, grudge or this sense of uh, one-upmanship or, you know, big me, little you kind of thing. We want to hang on to it. We don't want to let that go. And so the devil takes advantage of that weakness. And that causes other problems in our heart and toward God. Our fellowship is marred, maybe even broken. Our salvation is going to remain. But we're not going to reap the benefits of being a son or daughter of God. We can't claim the benefits if we're not walking in close communion with our Heavenly Father. So this forgiveness is very important for us. If we want future forgiveness, we better be practicing forgiveness today. Sir, ma'am, you have done something that was an offense to me. I give it up. I forgive you. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me restitution. You don't owe me anything. But pastor, what if they laugh at me and they turn and run away? Ha ha, I won that one. You let them do whatever they want to do, but you have won because your heavenly Father is asking you to give it up, give up, forgive, forgive. Well, what if they come back and do it again? Yeah, it sounds like Peter, doesn't it? How, how often should I forgive, right? Now, listen, I'm not saying in a case where someone takes a stick and whacks your loved one across the face and then you kind of forgive them. Then they come and do it again, and they do it again. I'm not suggesting that. I mean, for health and welfare, you have to do certain things. You've got to step in. Sometimes, unfortunately, you may even have to involve the local police, depending on how severe the offense is. But usually, for words and attitudes and scrambling the wrong egg, you know, things like that, we just give it up. We just give up the offense and we give it to the Lord. Lord, I'm forgiving this person in Jesus' name. I'm forgiving them. Whether they accept the forgiveness or not, Lord, I give it up. And you know, that's going to bless you in many ways. So you see, the first way here is if if you want to get future forgiveness, you best forgive today. Number two, it makes you more like the Lord. By forgiving, you become more like God. Now for this, turn in the New Testament to the book of Colossians. Colossians. After 1st, 2nd Corinthians, you had Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you get the revelation, you've gone too far. Colossians in chapter 3. Um, I, I'm going to give you a couple more Bible verses after this for a couple other points and then we're done. So we're not going to be flipping Old Testament, New Testament up, down, right, left, center. But I do want you to see a couple of things that are important. So I'm saying this, if you will forgive that brother or sister, if you will forgive that person, so, oh yeah, well, that's a good point, Pastor. What if they're not even saved? Then I don't have to forgive them, right? I think if you want extra blessings, I think you better be on the safe side. Go ahead and forgive them. God understands. By the way, uh, one reason why we, sometimes why we don't forgive people is because we're looking for Vengeance. I'm not going to forgive him. That was Jonah's problem, by the way. Remember Jonah who ran, ran away? God called him to go to Nineveh. Do you remember that story? And he says, nope. And he took off. He went down and got a ship at Tarshish. And uh, anyhow, he, he vamoosed. He did that because he was upset with the Ninevites. He didn't like them. The things they did to the Jewish people. He hated them. He wouldn't forgive them. He was upset he held on to his anger he wanted vengeance on those people he didn't want salvation he wanted fire to barbecue them and that was his problem sometimes we got jonahs you know amongst us where we don't want to give away you know that lovely taste of vengeance you know vengeance is sweet isn't that what they say something like that vengeance is sweet well god says in the bible vengeance is mine saith the lord It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. Be the offender, saved or unsaved. We don't own vengeance. It's God's. And so when you take vengeance, you're stealing something from God. God is the one who will bring vengeance. You leave that to Him. Our job is to do the forgiving. And so here, Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, obviously, that's going to include forgiveness. Look at verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. See, there's no vengeance there. There's no hatred. There's no malice. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So by forgiving, it makes you more like Jesus. It makes you more like the Lord. So that's good. That's something very good. So number one is it gives you future forgiveness. Number two, it makes you more like the Lord, which is what you want. Number three, if you turn back to Romans chapter eight, I'll show you Romans chapter eight. And let's see, we're going to look at verse number six. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. For to be carnally minded, carnal means worldly. Literally, it means flesh. Carnal, it means flesh. Like a carnivore, someone who eats flesh or something. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and, what's that next word? Peace. That is something that you will have when you forgive that brother or sister or that enemy or that friend. You will have peace. Because when they offend you, what are you feeling? Ooh, you know, your stomach is in knots. You know, you're grinding your teeth. You're going over and over the offense, what they did to you. And then it's bedtime. You put your head on the pillow. Your eyes are, you know, wide open and you're thinking, that dirty rascal. And then you've got to go to sleep. You turn over and say... That no good bum. And you're thinking what that person did to you. Where's your peace? It's gone, folks. Look what the devil's done. Taken away your peace. That's one of the earmarks of being a Christian and being close to Jesus. is peace. Jesus said, peace I give unto you. Not as the world give, give I unto you. He gives us peace. He wants us to have peace. Come unto me, he said, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what he said. And so the peace is missing when you hold on to that unforgiving spirit. You let it go. You give it up. Why, this man offended me, but I, in Jesus' name, will forgive him his debt. He owes me an apology. He, be, he should be on his knees asking forgiveness. But now he doesn't know it. Because I gave it away. I gave it away. He doesn't owe me a thing. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to start feeling light like a feather. You'll want to jump and click your heels. There's a peace. And I'd also like to say joy. Because God gives joy. When we do it God's way, God gives us the joy. And God Himself takes great joy when He forgives someone. There is joy in the presence of the angels of heaven when one sinner repenteth. Now, in the presence, in the midst of the angels, who's there? It's God. He's in the midst. So God is very happy when He's able to forgive someone. And you and I can have that same joy, that same peace. What a benefit. You can save your money on psychiatrists If you would just forgive that person, you don't have to take all of those happy pills, glug, glug, glug. If you would just forgive that person, God will give you the joy and God will give you the peace. Think about it. Wouldn't that be a nice way to live? Is there anyone right now that you can think of that you have not yet forgiven? Maybe it's something that happened to you years ago in another city, in another country. In another language. But someone offended you. And listen, maybe it was a real bad offense. Maybe it drew blood. It was so bad. But you never forgot it. It keeps popping up every once in a while. The mention of their name. Uh Uh-oh. That does it. When you mention their name, then their face comes to mind. And then the offense comes to mind. And those feelings come back. That's no way to live. You need to give that away today. Give it away by faith in Jesus' name and let God fill your heart with love and peace and joy. That's what you want. That's the way to live. I think I've told you the story a couple times when we lived back in Ottawa and across the street and down a couple houses, there was this family, husband, wife, and they had two girls. We invited the two girls to go to Sunday school because they weren't going anywhere on Sunday. And their mother, who was staunch Catholic, but yet never went to church. Figure that, right? She took incredible offense. And for the four years we lived there, she made it her duty to make our lives as miserable as possible. If I parked my car on the street, she would time it and then call the city when I was past the three-hour allotment or something and have me ticketed. When my children were playing with a couple other children, she would come and take those other children and whisk them away to a park to have fun and games and leave my children all alone. And as a parent, you know how you struggle when people offend your kids. Mm, That puts the knife in. And we struggled, but by faith, we tried to overcome evil with good. We sent her flowers and candy. We tried apologizing. We did everything we, we could think of, but we just gave it to the Lord and we gave it up. At the end of those four years when we moved away, I saw her husband out in the front lawn and he was doing something, he's on a ladder, he's doing something with his tree. And his name was JP, and I remember going over to him and said, Hello, JP and he looked and he said, Oh, oh hi. He was friendly. And I said, JP, when is this war gonna be over? And he stopped, and I could see his shoulders kind of drop. And he said, I don't know. He said, every time something goes wrong in my home, my wife always says, it's because of those people across the street. And I didn't realize it. But they were dying a thousand deaths underneath that roof. They had no joy or peace whatsoever. She was holding on so desperately, like those two sisters in Edinburgh, She was hanging on to her vengeance and her anger. And she was basically destroying her home. The Bible says, A wise woman buildeth her home, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And that's what this lady was doing. Well, I came back and I told my wife, and I'm sorry, I apologize to you right now, but we both smiled. not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to rejoice like that but after four years we kind of smiled but then we thought oh that poor family and the, and the kids growing up in that well i want to show you one last benefit and if you'll turn to the right to the book of second corinthians chapter two i will show that to you now and this one is very important So I've I've said to you, number one, it'll help you to get future forgiveness. I've said to you, number two, it'll help make you more like Jesus. I've said to you, number three, it'll bring peace and joy to your heart. And now number four, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and it will show your love to that person. And this is something good. Look at verse um, 7 and 8. They had a problem, by the way, in that church with a young man. They had to discipline him. And anyhow, he said in verse 7, So that contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such an one be, should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. When you forgive someone, you are showing your love toward that person, whether they receive it or not. God will use that in their life. If they've offended you, they know. They usually know they've offended you. Sometimes they don't even know. People can sometimes say things or break a promise and don't even realize the repercussions it has. But usually people know. When they've offended you, they know. And when you forgive them, say, hey, maybe you call them by name. Listen, I just want you to know that That I I love you in the Lord, and I forgive you for that, and you know, just wanted you to know that. That'll have a dynamic impact in their their lives. God will use that in their heart, and you may win more than a friend back. It may be a wonderful bond after that. You'd never know, but I'll tell you something. Male deer, D E E R, the four-legged kind. Male deer fight at mating season. They're fighting over the female deer, you know. And they fight at mating season. And a few years ago, uh, in Douglas, Manitoba, two male deer were found dead on the ground with their antlers locked. And it seems they got into a fight over a female deer and their antlers got so twisted up that they couldn't get free. And they both fell over exhausted and they both died. During World War II, both England and Germany were dropping bombs on each other. Thousands and thousands and thousands of bombs they dropped on each other. Well, ever since the war ended, both Germany and England are still finding these unexploded bombs because they didn't all blow up. They'd hit the ground and burrow themselves in somehow and no one would know they're there until you know they come to do a building project and the, the big backhoe or something finds something metallic. What's this? Oh oh <laughs> And they find these unexploded bombs. And we read about this in the news every once in a while. You know, they have to bring in trained experts. I heard about a guy who, who found one of these unexploded shells. And he thought it would make a great um, lamp for his living room as a decorative piece. And so he, uh, he took it to his home. He took it down into the basement. He put it into his vice. And he started with his hacksaw to open it up the explosion moved the house three inches off its foundation. I told someone this story years ago and they said, well, that would sure tighten up the clothesline, wouldn't it? You don't touch these unexploded things. You call in the experts who are trained, who know what they're doing. And they're the ones who dispose of these bombs. But did you know that in the hearts of some Christians and many non-Christians, there are unexploded bombs ready to go off. And what we need to do is we need to call in the expertise of Jesus Christ to defuse these bombs. And we need to, by faith, forgive the people who dropped them so that we can claim the victory of getting future forgiveness And becoming more like Jesus. And having love and joy and peace in our hearts. And to be able to do something wonderful. To show them our love. To overcome evil with good. Now that's worth it, isn't it? Forgiveness is one of God's greatest abilities. And it can be yours as well. I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to have a word of prayer now. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.